Today is gonna be the day that a child's gonna starve for you. Right now, you should have somehow realized that you gotta do something to prevent that child from dying painlessly. Well, that's how I feel about this film now. It's the Wonder Film, and it's heard you saw. So, it's quarter past 11. We're here in the salubrious confines of the O'Neills at King's Cross. And later in the evening, having exhausted all other possible options for a location for recording a podcast. Um, it's me, Nick. Welcome back to Heard You Saw. Yes, I'm back on the podcast. I took control back. None of the kids are here. Jim's been sent to the Phantom Zone. Um, I rule. I am the podcast controller. I am podcast daddy. And I am joined by Natalie. Hi, I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> you won't betray me. You won't do a podcast without me, will you, Natalie? I don't know how. Okay. I mean, you're seeing now. you're seeing how the sausage is made here. You literally just get a phone out and start recording. You press record. You do, and then you talk about your thoughts, like right. those shitty adverts on um, fucking Global Player or whatever. They're like, "Do you have something to say? Then you should probably start a podcast." And I'm like, "No, that's not how that works." Well, that's what you've done. <laughs> well, yeah, but I, we all got drunk at uh, showing a Pirates of the Caribbean five. <laughs> And then someone was like, you should put that online. And I was like, all right, you know. Because I was in a habit of like recording my conversations at the time. Yeah, I remember you doing that to me once after we saw play, actually. I probably still got that recording somewhere. I should look into that. You catalog your personal intercourses. Personal intercourses, yeah. <laughs> I said intercourses. Intercourses, well, well. Um, but no time for that. No time um, for that. We, we have a film to talk well, about. No, it, it, uh, you could do a little segue into that because it's not what Miss Flo is doing throughout this movie, but writing down recordings of her stories. That's true. She is recording data, getting all the information for the people, but they don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear it. They don't. And then she just starts taking down false data and makes her own story, which I guess is the whole point of the movie. But so we're talking about the wonder um, that we saw. We begin as ever, Natalie. You may recall from the last time we were on the show with a round of one-line hot takes, wherein we sum up our feelings about the film in a single one-line hot take. Um, what do you feel is your one-line hot take about the wonder? It made me feel weird and, and scared and good, um, but weird English Irish tensions. Yeah. Um, Question mark? <laughs> <laughs> that was all one sentence. Yeah, yeah that, that's scary. There was a semicolon somewhere. Yeah, no, that works well. And um, for why, my one line hot take, I was just like, boy, you know, now that's what I call a dying child. Oh, yeah. Just like, oh. That's what it looks like. The thing that, the, the thing that I was thinking about when I was watching this, also like between this and Banshees of Inishirin, um, which we did see, but we didn't podcast about, it's been, a, it's been a bit of a time for very bleak Irish films. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to talk any more about Badges of Inishirin because you've not seen it yet. No, and I want to. So. Yeah, it's, it's good. I mean, just the potted review. It's good. Go see it. Colin Farrell's very good. Brendan Gleeson, unsurprisingly, turns in a very good performance. Mm. Ooh, who would have suspected? <laughs> um, so, the premise of this film. Uh, Natalie, how would you describe the premise? So, it's um, a period piece. I think it's 1885, I want to say it was set in. Something like that, yeah. Um, so... They mentioned at the beginning that it was in the aftermath of the uh, famine. Yeah. So the, the narrator literally tells us 
that, well, actually they say that there is some distrust between the English and the Irish, and I was like, mm, that might be understated. That's like, yeah, I mean, like, you know, what, what, like 900 years of, like, yeah. fuckery being distilled down? It's like, that's a mistrust. There's, yeah, tensions are, are not great. Yeah. Um, but in, in that mix, there is a small child who um, is, appears to be existing without any food. Yeah. Um, and there's a debate in the sort of little village. I don't know where they are in Ireland. But we view this from the perspective of um, Elizabeth right. Wright, played by Florence Pugh, yeah. who arrives to undertake the watch. Yeah. So she's a nurse, so she represents science. She also potentially represents England, which is a bit concerning. Oh, oh, oh. Um, we'll get also, into that. Also, her name is Mrs. Wright. So she turns out to be right in the end. Shocking. But, and she's also got, a, got the nickname Lib. So Lib. she's like Lib Wright. Oh my god, what does that even mean? She's Keir Starmer. Um, <laughs> um, yes, and the film kind of follows her experiences of documenting this child's ability to survive without food and trying to get to the truth of the matter and things proceed from there. Yeah. As ever, Natalie, we will um, talk in a non-spoilery fashion about things that we enjoyed about the film or did not enjoy, whatever, we, you know, it's an open forum here. Um, and then we'll ring the spoiler klaxon, ding, ding, um, and then we'll move into talking openly about actual spoilers for the film. And just to be clear, that when you said ding, ding just now, that was not the spoiler klaxon. That was a demonstration. That, that was, was a, a test of the spoiler klaxon to prove that it works. I am clear on the rules. Excellent. Um, the first thing I want to talk about is the score. Holy yeah. shit, the fucking music in this film. Right. There was one point, and this might be just because I'm constantly wearing my Kate Bush hat, yeah. but there was like a... A little refrain towards the end of the movie, or like this. From the midpoint, when it's going like, Meep. like it was saying something. I couldn't no, understand no, no, no. it. Like at the sort of emotional, like high point of the film, the yeah. denouement, de uh, I believe it's called, yeah. on France. Um, and it sounded a little bit to me like the opening uh, sounds of this woman's work, you know, just like. <laughs> That was my I favorite. don't know that I don't know that song, but um, well, yes, that, that possibly is a massive reach because, but it was a woman's voice doing a very similar sort of. There was lots of there's trail. lots of like lady chanting and like, yeah. like, but it's weird and it's discordant. Weird. And there's something about like really like electronic, non-organic sounds yeah. being played in like what's clearly a period piece yeah it just gives you it's a, a similar effect i think in the witch yeah the Ari Aster one, yeah which I love but i cannot watch because <laughs> um, it disturbs me greatly this was like the witch but like not it's not going to turn you totally inside out it's going to fuck with you but it's not going to like make you want to you know die dis- da- da- die i was going to say disembowel yourself yeah. Well, the, the other thing I think is that the choices with the score, like you say, that it was very, like, quote, modern-sounding music, the, that kind of went along with the framing device from the opening scene, which I know people know about because it's, I saw it on Twitter before I actually saw this. I saw the beginnings of this, and I'm like, oh, and I didn't watch any further. I was like, that looks like a cool Brechtian yeah. framing device for this film. And, like, having music that felt so alien and creating this sense of, like, disquiet. Yes, and I also liked... This might be a spoiler, but I'm, I will You can say talk it around a, it in a non-spoiler way, yeah, yeah. Um, so the, there was this framing device that was very Brechtian, yeah. and they also called back to it, like, sort of 
roughly in the midpoint of the yeah. story. So it meant that... It wasn't that like a little thing. jump scare of oh, a fucking moment? You're just it. like, that oh! That was so good. Yeah. Just, I got chills. It was... I don't know. I don't even know how to explain the feeling, but it, it, sometimes I think when you're watching something, and I, I think that's maybe the point of cinema, so you forget you're watching a film, right? Yeah. Um, and that kind of framing device is really cool. Yeah. But the fact that it then reoccurred in the film just to remind you yeah. um, and shake you out of that sort of like trance. You are observing a narrative and characters. This is a fictional device designed to impart ideas yeah. rather than necessarily being something you're, in, you're intended to like, to, like believe, believe wholly. Yeah. yeah. It, and again, that, that kind of plays into the larger themes of the film about people wanting to believe in yeah. a story rather than face like the reality of what's actually going exactly, on. Yeah. You know, but we'll get to that later. Um, we're big fans of Florence Pugh here, I think it's I fair to her. say. She is my wife. She doesn't know that yet. <laughs> but she'll find out. Florence, we know you're a fan. Um, you can just Bobby. call Natalie, please, just do. Oh, you know, anytime. We'll get fro frozen yogurt. It was also very like... Um, Slightly uh, dissonant to me because the last time I saw Florence Pugh do anything was when you sent me that video of her like eating a bunch of cake and just having a nice time. Oh my god, yeah. And like this Florence was a film. Florence Pugh eating? Yeah. <laughs> like, why is that so enjoyable to watch? And then this was a film about Florence Pugh being really upset that someone is not eating at all. But there were so many shots of Florence Pugh eating, eating mainly stew. Mainly stew. Because they were like, she came down in the morning and they were like, here's your stew. We're like, in oh, Ireland, okay, FYI. Yeah. Irish bog people. And then one morning stew. she came down and went, there's no stew. And she was like, oh, alright. Like, I'll see what I can sort out for you. <laughs> she, served, she served her something else when it wasn't stew. Yeah. Was Inquiring like, minds want to know. That's yeah, the real secret I would of the like film. to know. I'm going to have to read the book again and find out what she ate. Ah. But it, it was, it was smart. Oh, and then there was also that bit where the, um, the journalist character, is it yeah. spoilery? I mean, we could say there's a journalist character. Just don't, just don't talk about what he does necessarily. We'll, okay, well then I, I will stay in my comment. going to hold that up. Okay. Is there any elements that are non-spoilery that you'd like to address at this juncture? Um, hmm. Any good performances? Little Girl was good. Little Girl was really good. She really nailed it. Like, um, difficult role to play. Yeah. Like, I... There was... There's a... There's some very upsetting scenes in this. Oh, yeah. Um, where that... Which really hinges on the performance of the little dying girl. Oh, yeah. And, like... She really sells, like... Not like overworking it, you know? It, it's, it's a very sort of subdued performance that gets increasingly more and more subdued as the film goes on. But it really, like, she's the linchpin that holds it together in a lot of ways. It's like, because all of the narrative turns around Anna as a character, like, her performance really makes or breaks it. And I think in this case, they really fucking nailed it, you know? Like, I thought definitely kudos to her. Um, also, the cinematography. My god, this was a very pretty film. I think it was filmed on film. I'm not like the kind of nerd who can tell like from like the grain or whatever of like what it looks like, but it felt like it was filmed on film. I would like that to be true, yeah. therefore yeah. it is. It felt, In keeping with the theme of the movie. Yeah, and it felt very textured, you know? Like, we saw the sets from the outside at the Brechtian opening, and I'm like, man, the set designers, given, I was thinking, because I know these locations are fake, I'm like, okay, so I know that when she's in, like, the hotel or whatever, like, the inn that she's staying in, I know that that outside that is just a, a hangar in a studio, you know, like, on a set. But I was still like, this is really well done, because I, I believe all of these very, like, realistic-feeling places. Well, it's quite surreal, because it, it takes you from the set right into, I guess, a boat, like, her going across the, across the Irish Sea. Yeah. Across the Irish across Sea. Across the Irish Sea. Um, 
And you literally see the camera go from being a smooth thing into suddenly rocking around. Yeah, yeah which you know is just camera effects, but it's still, you're yeah. like, oh no, it's like, that's the movement and of the And there was a dripping, like. and I was like, therefore, they're yeah. in the sea. Yeah, we would like, it creates illusion, but draws attention to the illusion of it. It's like, really well done. Um, I also, there were just lots of like really good little moments in terms of how shots were put together. Like the match cut when she's walking down the track to go to the house and there's those mountains yeah. in the background and then they crossfade and it's the like exact shape of the girl lying on her side in her bed. Um, a shot that is similar to the one seen in Monkey King that me and Shay reviewed, shout outs to Shay. Um, it does a similar thing, like yeah. just really nice craft, you know? Yeah, see, I see something like that and I'm like, Maybe because I'm being a wanker, but my brain is over on overdriving. Like, are they trying to imply that the girl is Ireland? She is, is the land. She is a product of the land. Well, that's what that's what a Brechtian piece is meant to do. It's meant to prompt you to think about like that's not you being a nerd. That shows that the narrative device is working on you. That they're trying to get you to think about the ideas at play, and you're engaging with it even on a cinematographic level of trying to like unpack it from that angle, which is fucking cool. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent. Um, I would say the uh, the other film this made me think of, apart from Banshees of Inisherin, um, it made me think of Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Okay. I haven't seen it yet. Bro. I, I know. I know. Bro. I know. <laughs> Bro. My hands are on your shoulders. I'm like, it's 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 a fucking good movie. Uh, me and Jim spoke about that film for an entire hour after we saw it, um, which you can listen to. Uh, it's another episode of the show. It's it's an amazing movie. But that kind of like quasi-dreamlike quality, which is more accentuated in this film because we know it's fiction, yeah. where it's like uh, um, Portrait of a Lady on Fire has this whole thing of like, they go into like their sapphic wonderland where it's like everything's kind of just, it works and it's perfect and there's no men, and there's no patriarchy and they can just exist and be and it's kind of happy and sexually liberated. You're like, is this really happening? Yeah. Or this can't last. You get this sense of like yeah. impending dread. Yeah, yeah. And this is a film full of impending yeah. dread. Yeah. You know, and like regrets and like yeah. horrible things have happened. Okay, I think we've done enough preamble. Natalie, before we do the spoiler claxon, yeah. would you recommend people watch this film? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go watch the movie and put, consider reading the book as well. Yeah, it's also on Netflix. Well, or it will be on Netflix at some point because it's a Netflix film, right? Yes. yes yeah. Um, I would also heartily recommend this film. I'm now going to ring the spoiler klaxon. Ding, ding, Nino, it's happening. We can now talk about spoilers. So, uh, like, that scene where the little girl explains that she was molested by her dead brother. Like, holy fucking shit. What's wild is that I read the book, which yeah. I realized about 20 minutes into watching the film, and didn't remember that at all. <laughs> it's just that there's something, some books do that, that, you read them, they go through you, and you don't remember anything about them until you literally read them again, and you're like, oh, no, I've read this. Yeah. Okay. It, like, I was... Again, to come back to the performance of um, Anna, I don't. I think she was it was a Keela Lord Lord Cassidy. I think was her name. Keela, yes, Keela yes, Lord Cassidy. Right. She was she was introduced in this yeah. film. Yeah. Uh, and like fucking socks to her. Like you know, well done. Like yeah. impre incredible work. Like what this film does well is that obviously. So the girl isn't actually magic. It's not really a miracle. It's that she was being supported by her mother who was baby birding her food in the morning and evening. Um, I'm sorry, is baby birding a, a 
term? Yeah, yeah, you know when you like chew up the food no, in your mouth. No, I know what it like, means, yeah. but is it something that people say? I've heard people say it, right, you know. It's gross. Yeah. Um, it's a gross thing to do. But I do like the way that they had, um, so it, it was Florence Pugh's character who, I mean, obviously she has the revelation and she tells um, the, men. the men, the men, the committee of men. The shitty committee. <laughs> as they are henceforth known. Flynn being like, it was a miracle. You're Our first saint since the Dark Ages. There's something. Oh yeah. Something just immediately gets my back up about movies that. Well, I mean, in, in real life as well, when anyone is using the word liar, it just is like a red alarm word for me. I'm like, no, <laughs> stop saying that. You're wrong. But um, so she, she, the way, just the way that she phrased it when she was like, um, her mother is. Is spitting chewed up food into her doctor's mouth. That's literally like almost verbatim what she yeah. says. She, there's no, um, there's no like abstraction. There's no gilding of the lily here. Yeah, yeah. that is literally what's happening. It's not even an attempt to make it sound like like of the time period. I don't even know how you would yeah. do that, but like I don't know. Treating her as the birds would, my lord, or yeah, something. Yeah, I don't exactly. know. Yeah, it's yeah. a way of just putting it. But it was no. It was that's that's what's happening. She was very like. I liked that even though it's like, you know, late 19th century, like, you know, obviously medical science not as advanced as it is today or whatever, but I liked that everything that Florence Pugh did, or rather Elizabeth did, was like, logical, and we could see her brain working, and like she was keeping track of the vital signs of the child, she was checking where everywhere they could hide food, she was looking into all the things, she was questioning everybody, you know, she was... She was treating it like... Well, except for the fact... So, she institutes this rule, which is what results in the, the girl's decline. Yeah. That her family are no longer allowed to touch her. Yeah, or be near the, her. Or be near her for their continuation of the watch, which is a two-week period. Yeah. And that's what, what results in the girl getting ill, because obviously if her mum can't touch her, she can't smuggle her food. Yeah, and even then, like, it's worth noting that if, if you need, she's getting, like, baby birded morning and evening, she's still getting, like whatever small amounts of food her mother can fit into her mouth yeah. like it's not a full meal she's still yeah, yeah, yeah. probably some level of malnourished yeah, yeah, yeah. but cut that off she declines very very quickly yeah, yeah. yeah. but that, she institutes this rule and still depends on everyone else sticking to that rule despite the fact they're already operating under the illusion that the, the child is divine and yeah. is receiving manna from heaven but the mother knows she's smuggling her food. Yeah. So she's already being duplicitous. So what's why? Maybe she, she felt that she room? couldn't get away with it. She couldn't get away with when Liv was there, which is like you know. Supposed to be fifty percent of the time. Yeah. Like she's there half the time, and then the nun is there. The yeah. Time. And maybe the nun like was like, no, I'm enforcing this as well because I guess she must have. Done. Yeah, because Liv told her that it was like you know it was doctor's orders everything. Which so. is a marked difference from usual cinema nuns because yeah. in my experience, cinema nuns are either literally Satan or incredibly horny no that's not what I was going to say at all I was going to say they're either like cuddly and lovely and like um, sister act sister act yeah. or, or the ladies of uh, Nanatan House or whatever it's called in um, yeah Oh shit! What's it called? The, the one with the babies. The one with the babies. You know, the, the BBC, the one with all the nuns and the babies. I I don't call know. The but, oh, call, call the midwife. Oh, call the midwife. Right, right, right. So right. there's that, but then there's like the Magdalene laundry nuns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's one or the other. But yeah. this was like a kind of middle of the road nun. Like she was. She was. A nun. She was doing. She was like complicit-ish, 
like complicit adjacent. Yeah. But she wasn't like I don't we don't know if she knew what was going on or whether she was just choosing not to see what was going yeah. on. Yeah. And like I kinda like what they kept her morally ambiguous and at the end she's all like I think I saw an angel on a horse yeah. taking we, Anna we, away yeah. to somewhere better? Question of infection? It, has she gone to a better place? Yeah. Question, question, question. I, I did like the, like, when Florence set the, well, sorry, when Liv set the house on fire, mm. I literally was like, now leave the room. Oh, now yeah. leave the room. You need to, don't just stand there and watch your, your you know, dead baby's shoes, but you need to get out of this room. Oh, the building is on fire. Why, why do they always do that in movies? They will keep one sentimental token of a person and then get rid of it. You don't have... I, I would never get rid of my dead baby's shoes. Even if you got like a new baby who was like... It's taking a... up that much room. You think you'd... I think it was symbolic, like... Remember, yeah, remember, it's, it's fiction. It's not an. Uh, she's not actually a character. She believes she's a rational actor and a character, but she is still a fictional construct designed to provoke feelings rather than being a real person. Yes. Yes. She's more metaphor than lady. I see. I yeah. see. I see what you're saying. This is. Uh, so are we therefore to believe that she didn't go into a sort of opioid like trance every night? That's what that was, right? Where I think that like struck me as like. Um, because she's a nurse, she has access to all the good painkillers. Yeah, my I was reading that as like you know she, not just the PTSD from losing her child, but also the fact she was in fucking yeah, Crimea, yeah, yeah, yeah. which was horrible. And like you look at like the opioid e- epidemic that happened after World War One, where you had lots of soldiers would come back with major substance abuse problems yeah, because yeah. they had at the time shell shock which was actually just undiagnosed PTSD so I took that to read that she was like still very deep in the grip of just trauma and because she was not only like dosing herself to help her sleep and just going into a fucking like falling into a k-hole for lack of a better and she's got her own ritual as well for me that's what it was like she's got the ritual of she takes her medicine she pricks her finger a little bit to feel something sort of real and and like to process her pain in a way that is like safe and easy to do and then drinks the blood and then goes and drinks drinks the blood right of course which is they have a whole conversation earlier about how the last thing that the little girl has before yeah. she starts fasting is the is the blood of Christ and the blood of the body of Christ. And it's communion. in that conversation as well that we got the reminder of the fourth wall, where Katie or Kitty or Kitty Kitty. Um, Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she has this conversation with um, Lib saying, like, you know, hey. Uh, oh, I was still finishing up there. Thank you. Um, she has the conversation with Lib, and Lib's like, what was the last thing she ate? She was like, oh, it was communion away for it. And she was like, oh, so water and <laughs> so wheat? Water and wheat. She's like, no, the body and blood of Christ, actually, you fucking atheist. Yeah. And then she fucking. Uh, Lib leaves the scene. Kitty turns to the camera and is like, stare directly into my fucking soul. And she's all like, hey, remember me? I'm the narrator. Um, we're all characters. You know, if we change our names, we would be different characters. There's a whole thing about Elizabeth Wright. Um, she goes by Lib specifically, which was the name her family called her. Um, she gets Anna to name herself Nan as like an alternative. And then later at the end of the film, she. Uh, what was his name? Uh, oh, the journalist. Burn. His name was Burn. His or name something. was Burn, and then they yeah. become Cheshire. Yeah. 
and he's Wilkie Byrne, Wilkie Cheshire, yeah. And they changed their name to become like a real family and leave to go to Australia. Because you could do that in those days. It was like going to the, the new world, I guess. I'm using quotation marks, which does not yeah. translate to a podcast. But no, of course. you could just like fuck off to another planet and not another planet, another country. I mean, it's Australia. He, it may as well be. Shout outs to Racy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was in Australia. Godspeed. Godspeed. Um, and you, yeah, you can just like literally become reborn, become a new person. Yeah, you and could being, only do that for a small period of time. But also, like being reborn is very much a part of it because she's like the way that she gets Anna to break out of her determination to basically kill herself yeah. in her misguided bid. Like the whole thing, that discussion where she's like, "No, he's burning in hell because I'm aware on some level that he did the immoral yeah. thing of like raping me yeah. repeatedly," but also like. I still love him and I want to die so he comes back from heaven? Well, I don't well, think from she, the she wanted to save his soul from hell. Yeah. She needed to repeat the, like, it's almost like a self-flagellation thing. Um, she had to fast times. for 33 days yeah. um, while reciting this prayer 33 times a day. Yeah. Um, so here's a question. Obviously, it's complicated by the whole Brechtian thing, so yeah. none of this is really happening anyway. But. I feel like if this, maybe if this was a lesser film that wasn't quite so complicated, yeah. it would have you be like, does she actually get reborn at the end or does she just die? Because like you could you could easily have had it, and I think obviously I don't remember the book that well because I forgot that I'd read it, but I'm certain that there's some sort of a weird narrative break between her dying and then suddenly we're with um, Lib. Uh, Lib on the boat like already on the way to Sydney with a daughter called Nan and we're like oh well, I, mean, like, I see what you did you could have certainly argued like what if Lib didn't make it out of the fire given yeah yeah you know that could also have happened because she gets burned and she you know collapses and you know we then cut back to her like injured and handing yeah. in her report and then like and miraculously everything's fine like at first they're like mm, you have you're to gonna, stay here the chief constable's gonna have words with you but it all gets sorted out and then next time she sees the little girl whose name I cannot recall I just can't Anna I can't remember Anna for some reason or Nan <laughs> it's because she has no name she is but a symbol yes she um, is Ireland but the next time we see her she's like looking up to a window and it's all very idyllic and beautiful and she yeah. looks filled the picture of hell yeah. she's happy to see her and it's just everything's perfect and, and you're like, like that's not really the face of a girl who's like quasi starved herself yeah. for like four months yeah. and like it's just like okay it's there's a lot to unpack in it there's so much and it will give you all lovely I'm gonna say lovely feelings but there's it'll a- make you I mean it also it, the, the ending monologue has this whole bit where um, Katie talks about like hey remember there are like children starving and dying yeah. all the time oh my God, now yeah, that was so good yeah it, yeah no I, I I love that there was something really moving about that yeah it's um, like saying this kind of story is fantastical but it's also not uncommon in terms of like the dynamics and the things that happen to the people involved yeah it was like Again, Brechtian, it's drawing your attention to the fact that like we are using this as a surrogate for real narratives in the real world. And you should care and you should engage. And like there was something about like it really got to me about like the mum yeah. being like, no, I'm gonna let my daughter fucking starve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like Lib being like, look, I've lost a baby, fucker. Um <laughs> If I mean, so had the... she by that point. Yeah, she'd lost her son. But also, we know that her son was a fucking, like, nonce. 
you know, well, a, you know, young, a teenager. I mean, he was also a child. Yeah, child. Well, he was older than Luke nine. Luke says that he's yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. And in the picture, he looked to be like a older teenager. Liv says that the way that she phrases it and before she's found out what he's done she says he was, he was a child a, what just he a boy, possibly yeah. have done. Yeah and then you're like oh that. that. That's what he's done so yeah no maybe there is a maybe there is a line yeah. of where a child can go to hell. Yeah. That's, that's a question for another time. Yeah yeah but yeah. I, I mean my my outgoing feelings are that I would like to speak to someone who knows a little bit more about the um, Famine and yeah. all the different politics involved because they know it's going to be more complicated than. Yeah, because, well, I mean, like like you say, she's identified as the English nurse and they have her, like, be identified as other, which is interesting. And it's also note telling that the guy that she shacks up with, the reporter, also left Ireland right. during the famine. His family just sealed themselves in their home so they could die with dignity. And you're just like, Christ, isn't that a fucking metaphor for one thing? So, or another? so the, the English nurse kind of swoops in and um, saves. The, the the little girl from her insanely backwards Catholicism. Yeah, their yeah. very rural, isolated Irish village. Like there's there's something in there, but I don't feel qualified to really stop it. Yeah. No, I agree. Like my Irish history is like reasonable, but not nearly good I enough to unpack a complicated metaphor. Emma Donahue, who wrote the novel, I yeah. think she is Irish. So yeah, well, like, a name like Donahue, like, you yeah. know, yeah. Um, but as far as like the actors go, I don't know how many of them were Irish. Well, someone think... is called Neve, so yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Neve was like the narrator lady. I pretty uh, certain. Okay. Yeah. Um, and Kieran Hines is in it. And he's yeah, Irish. Yeah. Is... It, I think the other thing I think that it, it it kind of played into is that like there's definitely something about how religion and to an extent like. I think culture. I mean, it's on my mind because um, Jim's video essay about the about the crown went up recently, and I, when he finished watching season five, we had a big conversation about Princess Diana, and I was like, "There's something in about like culture, how much we like a dead woman as like a sort of weird martyr figure to like both put on a pedestal, but also have weird." complicated like quasi-sexual emotions about and everything sure because she's like young and beautiful and perfect and yeah because she died so young she can never do wrong yeah so and there's something in like you know it kind of like legitimizes her despite all the controversy like one of the quotes that he uses is from the daily mail they said like we have we have um, retracted our most recent headline um which is still available in some locations die go sex mad and would like to replace it with our forthcoming issue farewell to Diana the people's princess whom we all loved genuine thing and you're just like oh okay so in death all is absolved and all is made clean and I think there's a lot of that in terms of like the whole desire for redemption you know like she's a victim of a system but she herself is partaking in it's like it's weird how much control Anna has over the situation in a way and then she keeps playing with that toy that's got a bird that's both in a cage and out of a cage yeah in she's or out, in or out. That's the last line of the film. Yes. In yeah. or out, in she's, or out. She's playing the system in a really grotesque and weird, convoluted way. In a self-destructive way. In a self-destructive way that can only end in her destruction, but at the same time it's it's a way of totally controlling the entire community and controlling the narrative about her. Mm, absolutely. So, I, I think I might watch it again. I, I, I think it's a good film. I'd happily recommend it and watch it with other people to hear their thoughts. So they've turned on the lights in the pub. 
And we've got mm-hmm. half an hour, and we said it was going to be a speed cast, so well done, team. And we both got worked hard, so. Yeah. Um, so, Natalie, I'm going to ask for your final thoughts on The Wonder. Um, I liked it, and I quite want to go hang out in a big old field now. Yeah. <laughs> and and on the also moors. just think about, like, religion. Religion. And culture. And, and also, a final thought. I think it was interesting that all of the women in this movie were doing all of the work. So mm. Kitty was chopping the peat, the... The first mother that um, in the sort of in oh, who inherited all of the children from the previous the children, marriage. She goes, yeah, she's like, yeah, I, I call it more of a, a trap. Yeah, she, she's she's like weirdly significant as a character, isn't yeah. she? And she's pregnant. Yeah, right? already. So yeah, mothers and, and, and the labor that goes into that. Both and Florence Pugh obviously and works, Lib does a ton of work. Exactly. You know, where's the other doctor? Like, uh, who was uh, Toby? Oh, what's his Name. Guy yeah. who was in Doctor Who, Jim yeah. would know him, can't remember his name. His name is Toby. There yeah, Toby. He, like, is just like, well, what if she's learnt to photosynthesize? <laughs> I don't. What if it's magnets, Liv? Have down. you considered fucking magnets, you nerd? And, 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 yeah. and sorry, I've got so many yeah. things to say about this movie. When she goes back to the inn and she says, it's all nonsense. When, like, when she first gets introduced to it at the beginning of the movie, yeah. she comes back to the inn where she's saying, she speaks to the innkeeper and she says, it's all nonsense, what am I doing here? She's like, well, you're being paid very well to just sit on your arse for two weeks. Like, what's the problem? But she can't just sit there. No, she can't she's not going to watch a child die. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Yes. I was also going to say, like, this isn't my final thought, but a thing I just wanted to note. I enjoyed that prior to her having the sex scene, I liked her seeing her have a half-hearted wank as like a sort of way to release tension, but also alluding to the fact that, you know, she's like been alone for a while and that kind of thing, and she's in a strange place. And I was just like, that's nice that we get that sort of acknowledgement of feminine sexuality without it being like too lascivious or weird, because it's very casual. It's a very like, just a half-hearted, just like, I'm there, you know. And then later on, she has sex with a dude and seems to have a really good time. And you're just like, okay. And and nothing bad happens to her Nothing bad happens. Yeah. She gets no crazy diseases. Yeah. yeah. The the town doesn't cast her out yeah. for their you know their their crimes. Yeah. I think for my final thought, um, I'm reminded of the video game Blasphemous, which is a Spanish game, which is very much about like you're going through like hyper Catholic world, um, and there's a secret like character you can meet who's this saint, um, this female saint, who became immortal but experiences all pain of everybody everywhere all of the time so she's constantly dying yet refuses to die and you have this guy there who's her curator and he's just he's in the same way just there to watch he can't help he's just there like it's so glorious that she's suffering so much that's good for some reason he doesn't quite understand it and there are steps you can take in the game to relieve her of her suffering and she's allowed to end her pain and ascend to something beyond and the guy after he no longer has that focal point for his faith crumbles and throws himself to his death from the top of the cathedral and I was just kind of thinking about like that kind of thing of like the way that people will rationalize the position of faith in order to simplify their world you know to not confront the fact that your son assaulted your daughter to not confront the fact that your daughter is trying to kill herself in the deluded quest to bring him back from the dead to like refuse to admit that you're culpable in her getting into this position in the first place but when that focus of faith is gone what are you left with? Which is a very profound question, but it was kind of my final thought. So, uh, take that, it's a philosophical cast. I run this show, and we'll see you next time. Goodbye!